This is the Drunken Comedian Podcast with your host, Matt Hoss. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Drunken Comedian Podcast. Thank you very much. I am Matt Hoss. I am the host and the interviewer in this podcast. And if you don't know what this podcast is, it's a podcast where I I meet with uh, some of my my favourite and your favourite comedians and uh, get them to have a couple of drinks and we'll just just have a quick chat together. And this is a really special and fun episode. Uh, This episode is uh, the first of two parts, oh my god, Uh, and it is with the fantastic Sammy Dobson, uh, Newcastle's finest. If you don't know who Sammy Dobson is, um, Sammy is based in the Northeast, and uh, she's very uh, well regarded up there. She's a fantastic stand-up comedian. She's a great actress, and she also uh, runs her own podcast as well. Uh, she's been doing comedy for a couple of years. Uh, she uh, she was an actress in Biker Grove, and she still acts in like she does stuff like Doctors. Uh, to be honest, that's the only two I know. I know she does other stuff as well, but she talks more about that in the second part. Uh, and she also, if you don't know, uh, she is the host of uh, one of the two hosts of Which is the Best podcast, which is uh, done with Lee Kyle and herself. And it's genuinely one of the funniest podcasts I listen to. Uh, they're getting close to about 100 episodes now. And if you don't listen to that, which uh, to be honest, uh, if you listen to this, I kind of assume that you do. Uh, she. Uh, uh, Sammy uh, really uh, has this. She's both uh, a professional, but she's also uh, like utterly manic at the same time. And uh, she really brings like like a, a delightful chaos to what anything that she does. And uh, she's a she's a genuine delight to be around as well. What happened is that we decided to meet up at the Stand Comedy Club, and we did this recording. And we we only intended to do to do it like forty five minutes, but. We we just just didn't stop chatting and uh, just kept on drinking, kept on chatting, and uh, it turned out to be naturally two halves. So this is the first part, and next week we'll be putting out the second half. But I won't keep you any longer. Uh, in this part, we talk about uh, having babies and being broody. Uh, we talk about uh, what kind of drinks we're like, uh, and it also um, talks a lot about like gender, feminism, and also drag as well. We also talk about like clothing within comedy and whether it, it gets slightly uh, analytical at points. So it's a whole range of stuff for you, and I hope you enjoy this episode 11 with Sammy Dobson. Part 1. I hope you're ready for our podcast today, and I hope you're ready for what we're about to say. Like you can comfortably on a bus or a train, because we're going to go straight inside your brain. Get ready for the podcast. Yeah. Hope you're ready for the podcast. I bet you're ready for the podcast. Yeah, yeah, you're probably ready. Enjoy the podcast. Yeah, Apple Watch. Right. What was that? What were you we just? It was, it was telling us all the times I've spent money in the last couple of days. Which? What was the last thing you bought? Oh, I've just deleted them all now because what I don't need is reminders of what I've spent money on in the last two days. I... What I do is, on the morning, right, I wake up, my phone's the first thing I grab. I grab my phone and I go, I did like that thing on eBay, buy it. Yeah. And, oh, they've got a new, buy it. And I always spend money really early in the day and then I get out of bed and I go, I haven't even set foot on carpet 
and I'm 70 quid down. <laughs> so it's a terrible affliction. I wish I could, like, yeah. I need to sleep with me phone in a different room. Yeah, well, I, I find that if I always sleep with my phone in my bed charging, mm-hmm. but, like, if you want to get shit done with your day, especially because, like, we're both comedians and uh, I don't particularly have a lot on at the moment, uh, but uh, but if I have to shit to do, I have to put my phone elsewhere in the room, so if the alarm goes off, I have to get out of bed to get... Yeah. See, that's, that's quite... Cla- the, getting up is not a problem. Once the alarm goes off, I will be up within five minutes of that alarm. That's never been a problem for me. But then I will lie in bed for another yeah, hour with yeah. the phone in my hand. Yeah, that's the dangerous bit. Because you feel like, oh, I'm, already, I'm up quite early. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you kind of already give yourself that reward. But, you know, it's, uh, no. it's dangerous. That's just so many great games to play. <laughs> There's what, so much shit to read. I, I cannot. What games uh, do you play on, uh, in bed? What, what? Angry Bird Angry Blast. Bird. Oh, wow. It's... Yeah, it's... Oh, God, I'm obsessed with it. And if you don't log in every day, you don't get your rewards, Matthew. So... <laughs> I think those games are kind of catered for people like us. Just like, I need instant gratification yeah. every day. <laughs> I'm such a simple beast. <laughs> now. Right. So it's all about, like, popping birds. It, what? It's a bit like the old bubble pop games, but slightly more advanced. Okay, let's see how... This is... Oh, look, look at what I've got going on here, man. This is level nearly 400. Uh, but you can, oh, I've just got a gun. That's good. And if I pop all the orange ones, go, what? I've got to release these birds. And they can only be released by touching a cube of the same colour. But what? There's no cubes of that colour. I'm going to have to create them from these paint buckets. It's mental how addictive this game is. Well, now I'm playing it. Right? Yeah. Look at that. Oh, release st- the beasts. Right, I think stop. this is the great start to a podcast. Have you watched too much RuPaul's Drag Race? Oh my god, I love RuPaul's. Do you? Yes, I love it. And whenever you talk about it in um, uh, in the podcast, and I'm always just like, I, I, I talk about it, Sammy. I need it in my life. Lee won't let us. Shout out to two comedians who adore it: yeah. uh, Neil Harris I, and Judy Grady Thomas. I went up to Edinburgh to see him, and we talked about it, and I was like, That's mm-hmm. been there, Edinburgh. They've yes. gone and done their show. Their show, their slot was really late. It was ten forty, which when you're staying at the Arsenal of Leith was quite the trek. But they're friends. Yeah. Um, 10.40am by the way Yeah 10.40am so, so they were like done Before midday They would go back to their flat Eat and watch RuPaul Yeah That's a dream fringe Be <laughs> yeah. with your mates Getting your show done early Watching RuPaul all day Brilliant Into it I, I, Have you watched them all? I have watched them But I haven't them. watched season 9 Okay that's Now well To be honest I um, No spoilers Series 9 is one of my favourites actually it's a, it's a really good one My best friend well. said this Yeah She was like mm, It's a bit of a dead spot And I've just finished watching it And I was like well, it was great. So, yeah, oh, yeah. it must be amazing. Well, let's just say the makeover challenge, one of the best things I've ever seen. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, I live oh. for RuPaul's Drag Race. Me and my best friend Rachel, yeah. um, who is a wonderful human being, the next time we spend time together, she lives in Manchester, we've decided that we're doing full drag. That's, yes. that's what we're going to spend the day doing. We're, oh. we're like putting the eyebrows down with glue. We're going to go like full, yes. like three hours immersed I'm going to fully crimp all of my hair yes. we're coming up with drag personas her surname's Leaf so she's going to be called Queef La Leaf which I think is an amazing <laughs> drag name I can't think of one for me I came up with Connie Lingus being done that's it Ugh. so now I'm desperately trying to think of a drag name for myself it's an absolute crying shame I wasn't born a man so I could be a better woman <laughs> <laughs> well you... <laughs> Wait, is there a term for like for like 
women who do drag because like that, what I really love about drag uh, especially RuPaul's is that um, when I first started watching it I was like oh it's kind of like cheesy TV but it's so much more than that <laughs> it gets like like this has come from a guy uh, like a cisgendered like a hetero man but when I like when I watch it it's like like I find those those people just so beautiful and it's 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 because like what they're doing is they're trying to this is really wanky but uh, they they're kind of transcending beauty beyond gender it's like these people are like clerically beautiful if you know what i mean and the, yeah. the, the my favorite ones every year are always the ones that look masculine out of drag yes so where you go you're not a blurred line yeah where you you really are more feminine than you are masculine yeah. if you paint your face you're gonna look like a lady it's yeah. the ones where you go my god you're a handsome man my mm. god you're a beautiful woman yeah and you just go how can you be both of these things yeah and it's um and i, I kind of like it because like in stand-up you can be as much as yourself as possible and people would uh, like love you for that and uh, it's a different way of showing your persona really mm. and, uh, and I, I really like that as well uh, I'd love to do if again if I was male I'd love to do drag as a way of doing stand up yes because I think putting that painting that whole persona wearing all the clothes the wigs although I can just can roll out of bed and come here and do 10 minutes and I don't have to worry about yeah. it you're going to have to get dressed for 3 hours yeah. there's a difference but I'd feel bulletproof if I walked in front of yeah. an audience like that because you've just painted a person on yeah. I wouldn't be me anymore and I could go oh, fuck you Yeah, <laughs> I feel very raw and naked and when I started doing stand up I sort of wore a bit of a costume mm-hmm. I had rules that I would stick to and there were things that I wouldn't do off stage so I would always wear a dress yeah. I very rarely wear dresses off stage I would always wear white Dr. Martin boots mm-hmm. uh, I'd always wear my hair down and I'd always wear glasses and it was everything that I did was for a reason it was to feminise and desexualize. Okay. Did you go into this with that kind of, like, did you have that in mind when you did it? Or yeah. was it, yeah. I wanted, to, I wanted it to be, my character on stage isn't aggressive. No. Because I'm not, really, yeah, particularly. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I don't particularly see my stand-up as a character. Mm-hmm. But you, you, without even thinking about it, you, you're a slightly different version of yourself. Because if you went on like that, like you do all the time, you'd be unbearable. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I wanted to be female without being sexualised. So I didn't want to come across... I thought if I dress as I do, I automatically look a bit boyish. And mm-hmm. therefore, the, the inclination is to sort of start being a bit more... I hate to use the word because I don't believe in it as a word, but bossy. Yeah. And then people read you a certain way. So I wanted to be... I wanted to look girly, yeah, but quite innocent because yeah. I think you get away with more. Yeah, and I think that kind of, I see where you're coming from as well because I think when you're watching on you on stage, you kind of have that kind of like uh, uh, you have that sweetness, but within that sweetness, you're allowed to kind of get away with more. If you're a bit more, if you're a bit more dry, you probably wouldn't get away with it. But uh, that, like, like me as well, I can. Uh, I don't usually. I don't usually say anything bad, but I, if I do kind of suggest something, I can I can get away with it a lot more because uh, I'm like they like me a bit more as well. And if you're warmer towards it, if you well. were a huge, bald-headed, aggressive sounding bloke, yeah. and you say something a bit dark, people go, "Oh, that's not very nice." But, it's it's always it, it's very much fed into, and I really didn't want to sexualize myself because it's a horrible position to be in when you're on a stage, and that's immediately how a lot of men read you. Yeah. 
immediately. I've, I've gone up on stage in, I'm wearing like dungarees and a long sleeve t-shirt today. I've been up on stage and stuff like this before and people have said get your tits out and I've thought, I mean that's going to be yeah. too much of an endeavour for either yeah. of you to I've got fucking buckles and all sorts. But you think, well, how is what I'm wearing here sexualised yeah, to you? Yeah. So the idea of putting the glasses on and being always in flat shoes and never in heels and yeah. trying to be like, I, you can't read sex into this. I'm yeah. going to talk about sex at length. Yeah. But not in that sort of you, you come from a different angle yeah. as opposed to um, yeah uh, that's, that's really interesting because like again as, a, as a, a white man I don't have to ever think about those things you know what I mean it's uh, interesting it, isn't it and like again uh, I I do like to keep, keep myself well read and kind of see lots of uh, I'm quite left wing but like equally I do like it's, it's kind of hard because it's well, it's not hard, but I have to try and see how other people change their lives because because I I am essentially society and I don't really I'm blind to other areas. So um, yeah, it's just it's just about trying to be as aware as possible, really. Uh, and you just have to be considerate about other people do have to change their lives a lot for uh, how people will react because like no one's ever shouted. Well, I don't think anyone's shouted get your tits out to me, but you know, uh, <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> Uh, that would be an amazing heckle oh, for a white cisgender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get your tits out. So yeah. Sorry. It's like a feminist comedy club. Just yeah. Like, yeah. Like, oh, like, if you're going to do heckles, they have to be applicable for everyone, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. But I, like, I've played here, we're at the stand now. I've played here before. Over a weekend, um, my boyfriend's come to watch us and we've been going out after the gig because mm-hmm. we thought we'll make a night of it. We'll go out afterwards. So I've won jeans and uh, a top that was cut at the midriff. So even then it was still a t-shirt, but mm-hmm. I had a little bit of belly art on display and some lipstick on. Mm-hmm. And it absolutely changed the reception of the audience. Really? Yeah. Those two little details. And it it was bizarre. Mm-hmm. When I did Edinburgh last year, my show was very, I suppose, very rude in a way. Uh, I always used to have to give the audience a warning because it did talk about some quite yeah. d- base things. But I always made sure I was in just like jeans, a t-shirt, mm-hmm. something stupid, something that brought it back down. Because every day without fail, blokes would come up and start running their mouth, mm. being inappropriate, being whatever. Um, and it's such a shame I have to do that. It's such a shame I have to think like that. It's such a yeah sad state of affairs. But the only other option is to, to wear what I want and have to be aggressive or have to, yeah. you know, bat that back every day. And when you're doing Edinburgh, the last thing you want is to go... I've got a fight at the end of this game yeah. every day. Yeah, and it's it's like a literal struggle every day, and uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's quite oppressive. Um, but I I find yeah, as, as we kind of touch upon costume, well, not costume in terms of like um, like as a queer character, but the the clothes that we wear are such an important thing straight away because uh, I kind of have two kind of get ups in terms of uh, what I wear on stage. I kinda I'm currently wearing like a checker shirt and a t shirt like a nerdy shirt. That I used to like wear that quite a lot, but if you're doing like professional gigs and you're trying to look quite good, it's not really like a professional vibe. Mm. So I usually wear a shirt on stage. But uh but though those two kind of give off two different vibes as well. I have to be aware of that. Mm. If I get if I'm in the professional I have to be a bit more uh, uh well you can kind of do. You can kind of get away with more filthy stuff. In this, in the, uh, in the kind of like the checkered shirt and the nerd t-shirt, uh, I'm a bit more. I, I'm seen as more vulnerable and a bit more like a little brother-esque, if you know what right. I mean. So you, you have to kind of pitch it in a different way. Um, do you know Neil Harris? Yes. Yeah. So I always find it interesting because obviously he dresses the way he dresses yeah. on stage, and his character on stage is 
him in real life to an extent like like mine is me but yes. you know a, 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 an extended yes. version or a magnified version so he wears these t-shirts with like slogans on mm-hmm. or whatever what you might I'd say yes. a kiki t-shirt and when I saw him in Edinburgh I brought my boyfriend along and he just immediately was just absolutely won over and just thought he was this lovely oh. adorable he was like he's so funny so clever <clears throat> but, but I think a lot of that was it's not just the words you're saying and buying you as a package. Yeah, this yeah. is you. I can tell this is but, you because of the way you're dressing. And yes, it, it is. It's a visual thing as well. And it's the first thing. Uh, as soon as you, when you you have your name announced, you walk out and say the first thing people judge you on is how you look as well. And if how you look doesn't fit the package of what you're saying as well, people yeah. aren't one over straight away. Like, yeah. It takes a little while for people to kind of. If you if you're like looking quite sweet and you're all right, fuckers, it's like, <laughs> which I've done before. <laughs> um, you have to kind of uh, play by. Uh, it depends how if you play in a way of you're being playful, like all right, fuckers. Uh, uh, don't know why I did it in Mancunian. Then. Like <laughs> I, I should, uh, but, but I forgot to mention earlier, right? I think um, th- this is ri- this is a lovely chat, by the way. But uh, firstly, welcome to the podcast, Sammy Dobson. Oh, hello. <laughs> I said that as we were drinking some Coors Light, which you snuck in. Shut up. Don't get us in trouble, don't dab us in. Right, I'm not a big drinker. So, I only drank my first pint two years ago. Really? Yeah. Oh. And Coors Light is the only beer I love. I love Coors Light oh, as well. It's what a drink. Yeah. So, they don't, they don't sell it here. Um, so, I've bought a drink and then I'm drinking this. <laughs> so, I thought that would be like, is that fair? That's more fair. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's, it's fine. And you're like royalty here as well. If you're like... No, well, no. You're, you're no. like... Um, no, I uh, eat here a lot. Of <laughs> <laughs> You're a customer here. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I, I'm not undressing. I promise, but it's really difficult to sit down for any length of time in a dungaree. Right there, we go. Oh, I'm yeah. just gonna flap me front down. That is obviously not undressing. Still, just what's a... that? Is that a flyer I picked up on the way here for baby clothes? That's right. Once I've had a can, I'm broody. Um, <laughs> I, I hopefully that's not correlation with me because that'd be very inappropriate. Uh, I'm. I'm I have to keep this strictly professional, Sammy. Hal, Hal Branson, the comedian, has the most beautiful child I've ever seen in Aww. the world ever. She's just adorable. To the point where I, I cannot stop myself buying things for her. Um, I think I bought her a present when she was born on a three-month birthday. Six-month birthday. And then they've, they've got these lovely little things that I'm going to have to get her for her actual one year. But yeah. the, the, she's... Um, She's a little girl, but they dress her in wonderful non-gender clothes. Mm. And they've got the most wonderful baby grow that's got rainbow-coloured bits on it and a big rainbow one. And I just... Sorry, I have distracted no, my babies uh, and dogs very easily. I, I, uh, I'm I currently working on a stand-up bit where it's like... Uh, like I'm a 23-year-old guy. I'm like, I'm, a, I'm the only 23-year-old guy in the world that's quite broody at the moment. Oh. <laughs> and and, it, and I, here's, a, here's the thing I didn't mean to um, plan on saying today. Uh, <laughs> uh, I uh, Last night I had a dream, uh, and uh, basically uh, the dream was I had to... Um, <laughs> Uh, there was a comedian uh, who I'm quite good friends with, and she had a baby that she didn't want, and I I took I took care of it, and she ran away, and I I, I kind of oh. looked after this baby as if it was mine. The baby would be uh, so cute. Uh, and I was just like, oh, this is who I am now. And I, and, uh, <laughs> the first time in my life, I was like, oh, I'm quite happy. Yeah, and uh, then I woke up, to, uh, and and you know, so that's that's a get that's a, a dog. Yeah. Get a dog. They like babies, <laughs> yeah. but they never learn to talk. Yes, I, they hate you. Oh. Oh, I'm like, oh, why do you have to say that? <laughs> That's my greatest fear. My mum said she never realised about what her mum had done to and for her until she had a baby. 
And I'm like, I already am sort of going like, oh God, if I had a ch- child, I'd just love it so much. And then it would just go and do things like get tattoos and like, <laughs> what have I done to my parents? Oh God. Because I am really worried about having a child. Uh, I, um, I have a cat, right? And I love my cat quite a lot. <laughs> and like, I realised I would be a, a quite quite a hands-on parent because I love it so much and if it goes away for more than like eight hours I'm like oh I'm very upset <laughs> why haven't you called me yeah. Yeah. I think we would be we could be like very bad pa- not not together I was going to say we're going to be bad parents together not together I mean like in conjunction with one another yeah. uh, but I think I'm not, I'm not sure if this is going to work out so that, <laughs> this is a breakup podcast I know I'm going to be just like my mum in fact I hope I'm anything like my mum because she was such a good mum but she worries terribly yeah it's only in the last two years I've got her to to like let me not text her when I get on a train. Mm-hmm. I live a ten minute walk from the train station. Mm-hmm. She sees me leave. Yeah. She then asks me to text her when I'm on the train. Nothing could have happened in that yeah. time. And what she said was, yeah, but what if your train's late? I was like, look, if my train's ever late or I end up... I'll just let you know then, right? Mm. But I have to text her. I mean, she texts us every day, definitely, when I'm up, in an evening, just to see if I've had a nice day. And um, before she goes to sleep on a night. Three texts a day, without a doubt, but it's usually way more than that. And, I mean, I love that so much. But, yeah. obviously, sometimes I'm like, whenever I get off a train, off a plane, off whatever, I have to text to let her know I'm okay. If I'm away on holiday, every morning I wake up, I have to let her know, yeah, yeah. I got in safe last night, we're up, this is what we're doing. Just so she knows I'm okay. But I know I'm going to be like that. In fact, I know I'm going to be worse than that. <laughs> and I'm already having to, having to learn to be like, it's quite... That's fine. I'll just cry until they come home and then pretend it's okay. <laughs> Have you had a nice time? My eyes are red because I threw chilli in them. Because <laughs> you weren't home to stop me. <laughs> Never leave mummy. I, I really, oh God, I'm so worried. But, I'm having to sort of treat it now before I even come close to procreating. Like, I'm going to have an infant on loan. Ah. So I'll have this really lovely creature that I'll care for for a few years and then that goes, and I have a person that becomes independent, and that's not mine. So you know how dogs don't live that long? <laughs> that's how I'm treating motherhood, right? The, the first few years, that's the dog. The next bit, I'm going to do everything I can to help, but that baby I had's dead, that I loved, and you are this thing that, that I didn't spend all night feeding and looking after and wiping away the tears off, because I'm not going to be able to look at you... When I find out you had a beer in the park. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Sarah <laughs> Do people have kids? I'm already this stressed and I'm not having a bed. Oh, it's because I've had a drink. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of the greatest like podcasts in my life. Uh, so what have we discovered? I want to be a drag queen with a baby that I will resent and a dog. That's it. That'll die. Because they'll all die. They all die. I'm older than every dog ever. Fucking hell. They're all dead, Matt. This is this is uh, Samuel and half a cannon, so... <laughs> yeah, I can before I got here. Shh, it's fine. Um, well, uh... Some of the Muppets film. Oh, the new one? Mm. Like, the new, new one, or the... the... 2011. G- Jason Seagull. Jason Big Willie, yes. That's... Is that his name? No, he's naked and forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously because, and this is my theory on most men who are nudists, or some men that are nudists, and men that go to things like Kit Kat, if you've got a big willy, you're going to look for any excuse to get that willy out. You and McGregor. Yeah. Uh, that's the only reason I want to ever be an actor. Just, uh, 
Um, Guys, appreciate it. <laughs> In fact, in fact, the acting community, uh, like Matt, we know the reason why you're doing it. And in fact, you're too good of an actor for you to do that. So you have to go into comedy for a bit, just to, you know, because we want to yeah, let the scene breathe a little bit. Uh, uh, in fact, like, I'm not, here's another thought I didn't plan on saying today. Uh, um, when I was a teenager, uh, well, no, it was when I was a child, uh, it was about like eleven. Uh, I started doing drama and acting. Uh, uh, I did love doing uh, plays and stuff like that. Before, yeah, but what if I get to kiss a girl? I was going to say yeah. for the pussy on it. Well, it was. Like, do it. It wasn't even for the pussy. It was just for just 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 for just a kiss, just for a but single affection. What if I get to kiss a girl in the confines of a script? <laughs> no. Not there's not many men in this club. I'll be able to score you like. They might write it in where I have to kiss her and she doesn't want to, but I'm gonna. In fact, what happened? Um, I did a play at university, and I kind of told that story as a joke. Kind of go, I still kind of been kissed at this point, but I was like, never mind. <laughs> uh, but where well, I did um, the importance of being earnest, and now it's Doctor Trossable. Dr. Trostball and Miss Prism uh, get off at the end, the, the kiss at the end. And the actress I was working with, the, the first girl I was working with, she dropped out and they got a new Miss Prism. And this person, uh, she just she just didn't like me as a person. She was a bit cold. Uh, and she asked the director specifically to cut out the kiss at the end. <laughs> and I was just like, God damn it, everything I've been working for. That's a heartless bitch. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, I've had a kiss some awful men in the past. Oh, and I had to do some, oh god, I did a sex scene in a, um, well a sort of, well a handjob scene if that's what you want to call yeah. it, in Women in Love, Yeah. and the actor I was playing against was such a lovely bloke, but as gay as the day, and obviously recoiled from my woman's touch, <laughs> and I, the, the director hadn't told us that I'd be putting my hand in his pants, and costume had told him, you're going to have to take your underpants off because in these like actual 1920s trousers wouldn't see your modern boxers yeah. you need to not have them on so we got on the set being told don't wear your boxers and the director goes she's going to put her hand in your trousers and he was just like oh no <laughs> and it felt like it in his head it was like but then I'll never have sex again <laughs> it honestly seemed so horrified so I have to sort of come on all hot and heavy to him and have my hand like I mean, my finger touched it. There was yeah. no way of, like, yeah, imitating, yeah. wanking him off and not touching his penis yeah. with my hand in his trousers. And him having to act valiantly through it like he was enjoying it. And I just felt every muscle in his body bristle. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is so horrible. I wish I'd never had to do that to that poor man. <laughs> Funny. If anything, he's gay now. <laughs> Oh, what they didn't tell you, Sammy, was that there was actually a sound guy, not the actor. They actually got the wrong person. Uh, oh, again? <laughs> yeah. All right, who's next? Oh, uh, I would love to t- chat more about your, your acting. Uh, do you, uh, what was the last thing you acted in? That's good. Oh, Doctors. Doctors. Was it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's on relatively soon. It's on in September at some point. Let's check the diary. I feel like it's on in September, but I think that was the last thing I did. I'm going to be told I'm wrong now, because I've always told I'm wrong. Um, oh, no, 20, hey, 28th of September, there you go. That's oh, great. That's when I'm on here, that's nice. Um, what I liked about it was that I got to sign. Oh, yeah, uh, you, obviously you're, you're uh, uh, is it British Sign Language Interpreter? Yeah, well, I was, I'm not anymore, officially. But it was great, because I've never acted in sign. I mean, it was fucking hard. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. It was um, it was a really nice job to do. I got a baby on that. I like it when you get a baby yeah. on a job. It's like, you're mine for three minutes, and then when you start crying, mummy gets you. <laughs> I like that. Well, there's been uh, like a, a lot of baby talk today. Uh, <laughs> well, in fact, myself had nearly two beers. Yeah. 
We should do this more often, but like not as a podcast because <laughs> most of this is going to be unbroadcast at all. I've said nothing that I am ashamed of. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> I, I, this is delightful. But uh, well, I t- tell you what, well, I've got some general podcast questions, oh, and I've cool. also got some specific uh, ones I've written for you. Uh, I feel special. Uh, would you like specific ones first or general? General. Okay, cool stuff. Uh, so, um, I usually like to start off, we kind of touched on this earlier, but I, I want to hear what you say. Uh, can you describe uh, your act, your stand-up act, in three words? How would you describe yourself? Oh, <laughs> rude, <laughs> uh, silly, <laughs> mm, frantic. Like in real life. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah it's just a magnified yeah. version of me. But I, I, when you mentioned it earlier, I was uh, really... I like uh, how you, because stand-up is kind of a reflection of yourself, and it's not the entirety of yourself, but um, I remember uh, one of my friends mentioned it, it was actually Oliver Double, who's a lecturer in comedy, he mentioned that the kind of difference is like, if you're, uh, if you're working in a shop and you have to be polite to a customer, uh, that's it, and then you go to the back of the shop to talk to the um, your co-workers about the customer at the front, and you're a bit more informal. It says... Both of those versions of you, the front of the shop version is you still, but also the back one is also you yourself, but it's just two different different ways of showing yourself. Mm. Uh, so that was the philosophical part of that, but uh, let's, let's just get on talking about babies again. Be great. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, I would, I, I, the one thing I definitely do on stage that I can't put in three words is my mouth starts telling them secrets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I do it all the time. And I start saying something and then try and put my hands on my mouth to go like, no, brain, stop saying the thing. And I've said things on stage I've never told to another human being. Yeah, what like? Oh, how I got the really bad scar on my chin, um, which everyone thinks happened a different way, but, you know, one audience at the stand know the real way that happened. Just all sorts of things where I go like, remember the first time I met you? I was going to say, yeah, this this is a great story. Yeah. so, uh, <laughs> so what had happened is that uh, we were going to see Lee Kyle's uh, show in Darlington, and, and uh, what I was doing the support, so I knew I was about to go on stage, and my brain kept telling us, "Don't say the thing, but, don't say the thing you're thinking about that you've told nobody." But the thing is, uh, we uh, we were chatting at the back. <laughs> it was me, Lee, and uh, you, <laughs> and. Uh, you mentioned the thing, which uh, I thought, uh, but to, uh, cause bear in mind we had met for the first time, I thought, oh, this is probably a private conversation, maybe Sammy thinks of me as a, a, a like, she can trust me, because yeah, you told the story, uh, and now correct me if I'm wrong, uh, there, was, there was no working um, plum, uh, like, toilet in your... In, in... I've, I've got no plumbing in my jewellery workshop, I work as a jeweller the rest of the time, there's no taps, there's no plumbing, and there's no toilet, so I've got, uh, what's it called, a... a... Kamikaze, a campikaze, and it's just a little plastic toilet that you put carrier bags in <laughs> and shit into, <laughs> and you've got to like wrap the bag up and put it in another bag and put it in another bag. And I'd done all that and I'd bagged it all up several times like you would a dog shit, and I'd be very responsible. And then I left it in the workshop totally by accident, got home and went. Oh god, I've left one of my own shits in my workshop and I'm not going back for a week. So I knew there was one of my own shits festering in my workshop. I couldn't bring myself to admit it to anyone and go, alright, I 
that shit in a bag and I left it there because it just made me sound like a lunatic and an animal. So you told us that story to me. <laughs> I was kind of like, well, that's very brave of you, Sammy. Thank you for telling me that. And I thought... That was a private conversation, so I thought, oh, that's quite funny. But he went on to do the support slot, and he told that story word for word to it, to the audience. Because the nymph in your brain got to see it. Like, Lee, Kyle, is terrible for doing the same thing, but terrible for, like, you tell him something confidence. And if it's before he goes on stage, he'll go, do you know what she just said? Yeah. She said this, and you're like, mate, what the fuck are you doing? Like, he once asked us how much I got paid for an acting job I did. I just went on stage and told the audience, I was like, you don't do that. Um, but the worst one was, I told him, I was saying, oh, blah, 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 blah. And this person I slept with, who happens to be of some notoriety, and I saw it run past his eyes, and I was like, you fucking cannot go on that stage. Yeah. I was like, I'm not being funny, Lee. It's the end of our friendship if you go on that stage and announce me by saying, and she had sex with this person. He's like, oh, God. <laughs> I can't promise that I will do And I knew what he meant because as soon as he get up there, it's this weird mix of invincible and all the gremlins in her brain going, say the yeah. thing. I... Say the thing. They might like you more if you say the thing. That'd be nice. I've, um, I've done a gig recently, which was, I think, probably the worst defender of all this, right? Uh, and uh, this, this will, I think this is equal to the, uh, uh, the story told. So we'll go back to the, uh, uh, an evil kill. Uh, so, um, so I was doing a new act competition in uh, Chesterfield, and it was early a couple of weeks ago. And to be honest, like it was a bit quiet in the diary, so I thought, oh yeah, I'll go down and do it because you know. Um, and it, there was about nine acts on the bill, and and I had gig for about a couple of days, so I I wasn't as like ready to like fighting fit as I thought I would be. But I, I went on stage and. Oh, the room was weird as well, and so they weren't really enjoying the comedy. They weren't laughing out loud, but they were they're there. They're having a nice time, but they weren't really smilers. Smilers. I fucking hate smilers. Worse, aren't they? Why, why bother? Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, so there'd been a couple of acts uh, that did okay, but it was all and that was um, I was the closing the second section, and I kind of went up on stage. I did my material, and just got kind of nothing. And I was like, oh god, that's how I kept on. I did another joke. Again, not really that much. So just like, you know what, guys? I don't think I won this. I got this big laugh and I was like, tell you what, I've got about five minutes left. Uh, you can just like, I've not won this. So you can just kind of choose what you want me to do. And this guy shouts at the back, take off your shirt. And I was like, okay. And uh, so I started taking off my shirt and uh, people are kind of getting into hysterics. So I was like, uh, and I was like, okay, what, what's next? So the guy goes, take off your trousers. I was like, okay. This oh is it. my God. And at this moment, the sound guy at the back started putting on Tom Jones and said, you can no, be no, a hell. And I was like, this is not going. And what happened in my brain? And I was like, I was ad-libbing over the top of it as well. And it was getting lots of laughter. Um, and uh, and the, I was just kind of like, my, inside my head was like, Matt, what are you going to do here? What's happening? But it was just happening, if you yeah. know what I mean. Like, uh, so I was in my boxes and my socks. Uh, and I was like, and I started magic micing it up. I was like, yeah, dancing up. <laughs> and I was like, maybe I should be a stripper instead of this. Because like, I'm doing a lot better. Uh, and, uh, and what... Uh, what the best thing was, there was a couple of comedy pros sat in the front row judging, uh, and uh, I was like, "Please fuck me for other games." <laughs> uh, I then took off my sock, flinged it at uh, 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 this old couple, uh, and they just hit him in the head. <laughs> and then there was a co- uh, two girls in the front row. I was like, "Oh, are you guys, uh, are you girls, singles?" And they're like, "No." I flicked the song out, 
<laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm in my boxes, you know, we've all had our fun now, like, it, it would be silly to kind of, and they were like, no, oh, take off your boxers, I was like, no guys, I've been on my times up, but, uh, yeah, but what happened then, um, I was like, oh, I can't, um, I can't finish like this. I need to finish on a high, right? Uh, and there was a there was a guy uh, in the. I was like, oh, you know, there was nothing to cover me up. So I thought I can't really do it. Um, oh, there's a guy with a hat sat in sat in the audience. I was like, mate, pass it your hat, and I'll finish off the set like that. And he just didn't respond. I was like, oh, go on, mate, pass it your hat. And he just didn't respond. So I, I left it there. But I realised afterwards that the guy was blind. And, uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, that was. <laughs> Awkward revelation. And, <laughs> but uh, the, the best thing is that, uh, so I was like, you guys want me to take off my boxes? They were like, yeah! I was like, you really do, do you? And I was, in my head, I was like contemplating. I was like, man, I don't think this is the best thing to do. Maybe you shouldn't. But as I was thinking it, my body was doing it. So I turned <laughs> my bum to the audience, took off my, uh, my, my oh pants. My I got my shoe, covered up my balls. And I was like, all right, cheers. Thanks, guys. Specifically the balls, <laughs> not the dick. No. Lads, yeah. I've got a great dick. <laughs> Gotta leave them on something, you know. <laughs> um, but the worst thing was that after all that, I uh, the, the compo was like, that was Matt Hoss. Uh, uh, and then, like, it was the interval, and all my clothes were in the audience, so I like, threw them all out, so I had to gingerly pick it up. I was like, oh, hope you enjoyed the show. Oh, my God. So I think that was, oh, we're, we're kind of even out. Oh, my God. I, did, I used to have a joke in my set where, like, one of the punchlines was, or an amputee. Um... Twice I did that joke and there was an amputee in the audience. I mean, how many amputees have you ever fucking encountered in your life? Both times it was an arm. Um, but you know when you just go, I've got no way out of this. The first time I realised as I was saying it, because the bloke didn't have a prosthetic on, and as the word amputee came out of my mouth, I just said, Midget! Or a midget, am I right, guys? And it was like, well, that joke doesn't make sense. I was like, yeah, but I said midget, let's carry on. Um, and the second time I didn't know, and it was a village where every fucking knew everyone. There was like 200 people in the room, and this bloke had a prosthetic arm, and then he just got it off and waved it slowly ah. at the end. I was like, I'm getting rid of that joke. Yeah, it, it's awful because there's nothing you can do. And as you were telling that story, I thought, if an audience did that, if that was the only way I could get a laugh out of them, by God, are they saying my family? Like, there's no. It, it's that, as soon as you step on the stage, you go, I'm going to make you laugh, whatever. And well, it's not that, oh, get your tits out. But if an audience were going to laugh at this, I'd be like, yeah, you laugh, guys. Well, I, I kind of, um, I, it's kind of weird because, like, I think it's, I think it was the extreme of what I like to do best. Because I like to, I do have material, but I like to kind of, like, tear around the audience and then, but it's more than that. I think it's more about, like, just kind of, if the material isn't working for whatever reason, it's not finding the levels like finding the frequency of the room yeah. goes oh there we are and yeah. um uh, but uh, that was obviously an extreme case but like i i don't know i i like kind of i think the one of the reason why daniel kitson is such a good performer is because he ha he can kind of get that straight away he has that frequency turned straight away and that's why he improvises he has a yeah he works so well with that as well um so yeah i, I it's about i just kind of uh, so i I don't know, I'm not quite sure what happened there. I put my finger in my shoe, right? And, and there's actual liquid on my finger. Like, how sweaty does it? Don't touch it. Oh. How sweaty does a foot need to be for there to be liquid in your shoe? That's incredible. Sorry, I did get distracted. I, I am Should we do the second question? Yay! Two! <laughs> uh, All um, you need to know is, for the sake of a cheap laugh, either of us will... Yeah. Why are Willie's funny and nothing else is? Like... 
Oh. Keen Family Gift Shop, first show, first year, uh, three, four, three years ago? Four years ago? I don't know, anyway. Um, the, the big punchline of one of their sketches was Ed getting his cock out and knocking a chess piece over. And I laughed like a dream. Mm. I thought that was hilarious. It's the shock of seeing it, the yeah. fact that it's funny, and you go, ha ha, if I got my funny out to make any point on stage, it would be horrific. Well, yeah, it's, well, I guess it's it's kind of like social conditioning, isn't it? Because uh, a dick is kind of seen as more like a... Uh, it's, it's, the vagina is so heavily sexualized that, but a penis is a bit more like. But is it because a penis has two states? That one is a novel yes, state, yes, and I, one is a sexualized state. Whereas a vagina can only be seen one way. Ergo, it's always sexualized. Because if I, I imagine, if if you solve it, I imagine it was flaccid. But if it wasn't, yes. if it was erected, Otherwise, I think that's a crime. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, if it was erected, you'd be horrified, wouldn't it? Uh, Not necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Could be a you good. Don't mean that way. <laughs> Um, but I, I, it's something like when we were doing Funny Team, me, Lee Kyle, Nicola Montalios, and Matt Reed used to have a sketch group called Funny Team. Probably the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> Fucking love Funny Team so much. But um, they used to go on at me all the time because I was absolutely determined to do a sketch where the punchline was me getting my tits out. Yeah. Because I wanted to make the point that we need to start doing this in order for it to be funny, for mm. it to be seen as funny. Because the shock of it would be so massive. Yeah. Um, but because I don't see why it's fair mm-hmm. that a man can do that yeah. and a woman can't, and I think tits are probably less offensive than a fanny to get out in a theatre full of people. Yeah. So let's do it with tits, and they were like, "No, you can't do that." Uh, I remember what Louisa Omeland did quite well in her second show, "Am I Right, Ladies?" She has this bit where she, uh, in like the first ten, fifteen minutes, she takes off all the clothes apart from her bra and pants, uh, and at first, like, ah. But she does the rest of the show like that. So um, by like 40 minutes, well, after a couple of, about five minutes, it's just normal. Yeah. And it's like, it's not sexualized anymore. Yeah. And it's, it's she, I, I think she's a really good maester of that as well. Um, I remember, and also, um, I remember one of my friends also did have a tits as a punchline once because uh, it was experimental comedy. I used to do, um, it was a master's of stand-up at university and one of the people, uh, one of their experimental and comedy bits was about feminism and stuff like that and basically again she got people to do a petition and if enough, uh, I think it was along the, I can't remember, I didn't see it but I, I heard this is hearsay but it was along the lines of a uh, um, you have to fill out this petition to stop FGM and stuff like that. And it's, it's, so she passed it around the room and she goes, Oh, I haven't got an end of a punchline. She just showed her tits and everyone laughed and was like, Yeah! <laughs> so it, you can do it under the right refrain. But, I think with the right audience. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I think tits would be a great punchline. I did one gig once and it was at um, a big concert I had at the end of the day for the. Uh, oh, fucking hell, what was it called? The, the, oh my god, it was like a. a a walk against rape, yeah, basically, and it was called. I'm sh- I swear, it was called the rape walk. Mm. And you walk through Newcastle wearing something that could be deemed suggestive. Jeez, yeah. As a massive crowd of women saying that you know it's not what we wear, it's what you do. It was yeah. a really powerful thing. Definitely, that sounds. Um, um, and the gig at the end of the day was women only, and mm-hmm. it was a massive kickoff from men going, "Well, that's not fair." And you go, "Oh, fuck off!" Yeah, there's still fucking social clubs in Newcastle yeah, and exactly. men only, so shut your face. So it was a great gig to do to do just to women, and I think there you could have got away with going tits as a punchline because it wouldn't be like blokes going ha, 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 tits. But yeah, because yeah, I think it's so easy for men to do that as well. Uh, yeah, it's um, but yeah, the, but if you kind of if it was a women it's only thing like, uh, and you got your tits out, it's such a, uh, and if that's part of the construct of the joke, 
that's such a powerful thing to do. It's like, yeah, fuck you guys, I'm doing it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's really yeah. It's... And the tit itself, to me, that's what a strange sentence. <laughs> but <they're> like... <laughs> very philosophical. Isn't it? <laughs> what is a tit? The, the tit itself, but it, like. The amount of men you see, particularly if it's a hot day in Newcastle. Yes, oh yes. The amount yeah. of fucking scarfs with their shirts off just go like, well, it's hot, I'm going to fucking top off. Why is that okay? But because I've got a bit of fat behind the exact same structure, that's not okay. Yeah. Why on a beach, I'm like, is it perfectly acceptable for me to be in a bikini? But if I was in underwear in a different situation, you'd all be hysterical. Yeah, exactly. Why in different countries can you go in a sauna completely naked and if you did that in town, it would be a crime? Yeah. It's the straight... I, I find nudity so interesting because it's it's the most natural state. It's the most normal thing in the world to be naked. And it's so fetishised that it becomes such an issue for people that they absolutely cannot deal with it. I'm not sure if you know... Uh, there, there's um, a sci-fi novel... Uh, by Aldous Huxley called Brave New World which is quite famous uh, have you read it before? I haven't read it I know uh, of it but I have never read it it's um, well one part of the, the universe is that um, humans uh, aren't born they're kind of uh, they're kind of made in labs and their society is kind of genetically made so there's different classes like the the alphas are like the, the, the elites and, the, and there's betas uh, and then there's uh, omega uh, it's in, it goes down to like a like um I'm gonna get this wrong, but like uh, deltas and uh, epsilons, who are like the like working class, and epsilons like essentially like uh, borderline, like they, they can barely think. They have to do all like the the jobs like that. But one, um, so it's kind of it is a dystopia. But what Aldous Huxley does really well is that he kind of mixes it. There's some really good points of that society as well. Uh, and one of the things of that society, because it's kind of um, genetically made, is that um, from a young age that a lot of kids there's no shame in sexuality so at a young age like kids are kind of playing with each other not in like a perverse way but in a way that they're not hiding their true feelings kind of thing in terms of like they're kind of learning about each other's bodies and it's, they're, they're much more respectful towards that as well uh, um, I don't, I'm not quite sure how I brought that up but, uh, <laughs> just to read it, uh, but it it's, I find the whole thing I think this year in my 30th year I've tinkered with nudism more than I ever have before. I've been to a nudist swimming event in Newcastle, which I found liberating in and of the act itself and maybe questionable because of some of the people who were present. I think it was Sex Club in Berlin. Yeah, you you, uh, mentioned that on Which is the Best. Yeah. How was that experience? The best thing I've ever done in my life. Well, you seem so, like, uh, that was something I I never, well, probably something I'll never do or never conceive of doing, but you're passion and positivity for it was like wow that's something it's it's not a weird thing but it's just something that is uh that some people could do as well it's so hard to explain how and why it wasn't weird when you then in the next breath tell them there's gimps in the room (laughs) men wanking at people yeah and men being led around by rods through their penis so it's just like you sort of go well that doesn't sound right but every person there is so respectful yeah the 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 most important thing is consent. Yeah. In a room where that's the sort of, the vibe, the aim, whatever, consent is the most important issue. Mm-hmm. So all night, if and when me or my partner were approached, it was done in a, are you here on your own? No. Oh, um, is your relationship open? No. Okay, have a nice night. Yeah. And gone. See, isn't that is such a better approach to it? Because like, I, I used, well, I still don't like clubbing or anything like that, but what I hate most about it is it's just very oppressive to the kind of, um, like, and, and again, I'm a, I'm a guy, so I get it off pretty lightly as well, but, like, it's just so, uh, 
aggressive in terms of what it's trying to force upon you as well. well and that, that was Berlin, and the night before we'd just been to a normal nightclub playing rock music, and it was horrific. Anytime yeah. either of us was separated from the other to go to the toilet, to go and get a drink, mm. it was flies around shite every single time. And no matter what you said, I'd be like, my boyfriend's in the toilet, so what, he's not here now, come with me. But, and I was like, just fucking leave us alone, Yeah, man. I'm really sorry about that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you keep wearing wigs? Yeah. But, the, the, <laughs> but then... The, to go there the next night and go, oh, this is basically a sex club. And yeah. then for everyone to be like that, for nobody to lay hands on, nobody touched you in a probe, nobody overstepped the mark in any way. It, and because most people were either naked, half-dressed, part-dressed, there were so many bodies on display that immediately it was normalised. Yeah, absolutely. and um, you mentioned in, um, in the podcast uh, that, um, and I think it's quite a funny line, of um, uh, your boyfriend was like, Oh, is anything interesting down there? Just no, just a couple of guys sucking each other off. Like with the most blank face yeah. I've ever seen. I'm just like, no, it's just a couple of fellas sucking each other off. Do you want to have a look over there? Yeah. I was like, if I'd have said to you two hours ago, you'd have said that. Yeah. You'd have been like, I'm not going there. Yeah. It all became so normal, but it's so hard to describe. And what what I've been blown away by is I've told everyone about it. I've been preaching to everyone about how amazing it was. What a, an amazing. I don't renew an experience it was, how different it was to anything I've ever experienced. And I've told so many of my friends who are so open and so open-minded and they've gone, oh my God, that sounds awful, I'd never go there. And I'm like, no, 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 no. But like, nobody, I've, nobody I've spoken to has said, yeah, I'd, I'd try that, that sounds great. Well, like, I didn't, I, I think, although, I think I'd be open to it, but I'd, I'd probably have to go with someone if you know, I wouldn't oh, go, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd feel a bit awkward to go by myself, I'd say. But uh, I think... Again, I think it's if you're in a relationship with your boyfriend and you're both open to do that, yeah, it'd be interesting as well. I'd happily go back with a friend. Like, it was so much the sort of thing where you could just be an observer and not in a judgmental way. Chappie had to keep getting us to stop pointing. (laughs) And I I was only pointing because of things I was saying that I loved. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, look at her shoes. Oh my God, look at what she's wearing. Oh my God, that's amazing. I couldn't stop pointing. He's like, you really need to stop that. Because it was such a non-judgmental atmosphere. The idea was, no matter how you look, no matter how you identify, no matter your body type, no matter what you're getting a kick out of, whether that be a gimp mask, a pink denim jacket, a mini skirt and wellies when you're a six foot man, you're going to go there and you're not going to be judged. There was an incredibly large man in a unicorn onesie, just unzipped to the waist. Looking very sad. Look at the unicorn thing over his head, stuck with a pint. And I kept saying to Jackie, the one thing that I picked up, not what he's wearing, not his side, not what his eye, I just kept going, he looks so sad. Oh. Whereas, had that been anywhere else, you go, oh my God, look at him over there. Yeah. Immediately in that setting, people are just people. Yeah, yeah. And it, I loved it. I loved it so much. Honestly, I'd go every weekend if it was any closer. Yeah. Like, it was such a liberating place to be. Yeah, and it's, um, again, it's, you you kind of strip away so much uh, societal context, like, yeah. don't you? Because like you take away from it's not a sex club anymore. It's just it's you kind of gone to a different plane. It's like okay, this is the rules here, and but, like again, as you say, everyone's on a universal understanding of respect, and mm-hmm. consent, and it's a uh, and you don't see the unicorn onesie. You see the sadness, and I think that's such an important yeah uh, because he was the only person there who seemed sad yeah. And- my German's not particularly strong, and I really wanted to go over and go, are you okay? Be good. Yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I get 
anything. I mean, there was a lovely fresh fruit platter in the bar. Oh my god! When have you been to a nightclub that has a fresh fruit platter that is constantly replenished? I had a nectarine. I had pineapple slices. Yes. I watched men suck each other off. I had a great time. What was the strangest heckle you've had? Strangest heckle. There's been a few where, where you're, you know, when you think, oh, on your way home in the car, oh, I've got a good response for that. There's yeah. been somewhere I've gone, there'll never be a response for that. Yeah. There's no response for that. Um, Maybe get naked, take off your shirt. I've, I've heard that before. They're so. No, sorry, joking. Okay, <laughs> yeah, of course, that no, is no, literally no. what happened to you. Um, they're unfortunately quite usual. Oh, I think the, the worst heckle I've ever had. Was a little club in Hartlepool, and I walked out onto the stage, and there was an uneasy silence that settled across the room. And the man in the front row put his head down, looked at Flo, and went, oh, "Fucking woman!" Really? That's that's the the worst heckle I've ever had in like it cutting me deep. Yeah. And there being no response because you can't. But, well, do you know what? I fucking would now, but I was only a year and a half, two years in. Then I felt like I can't start my set by being aggressive. Now my entire fifteen minutes would be fucking taking you down, mm-hmm. pulling your life apart, destroying your relationship with your wife. Yeah, like I would just want to rip you apart yeah. at the seams and go. I don't care what happens. I don't care if not a person in this room laughs. I want you to go home and cry. Yeah, and that in itself would be funny because he has given you the license to do that. Yeah, because if he did that unwanted. It's not funny, but if he's like, if he's personally offended, uh, offended you, you're, I think it's okay to do that. Um, have you ever? Do you know Laura Lex by any chance? Well, she's a, she's an amazing comedian. She she's kind of based in Brighton, but she had a similar experience. We, we she's been on this podcast before, but uh, what to kind of catch up any listeners? But what happened is that she was comparing a comedian in Brighton and. This is Brighton as well. She kind of went up on stage. Welcome to stage, Laura Lex. And this guy goes, oh. And he goes, oh, what's up, mate? Uh, oh, I'm a bit sad. Oh, why are you sad? Because uh, there's a woman on stage. And, uh, and me. Um, she, she, this, this, this video went viral. And she just tore him to pieces. And uh, we talked about it on the podcast as well. Check that out, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the thing is, uh, yeah, she kind of uh, just really kind of went to town on it. Because, like, it's... It, I find it so strange because... So many people go up to me and goes, well, you know, I'm not a sexist, but, you know, I don't really find women comedians funny. And my response always to them is, like, yeah, I haven't watched enough comedy then. You know, because, like, the thing is, like, if you still have that mindset, and a lot of people, I live in North Yorkshire, a lot of people yeah. have that mindset. A lot of people and, do. Uh, the thing is, and I'm not really um, an aggressive person, but like, it's a thing that always annoys me as well. Like, that's not being, being on my high horse. And I, I, but the thing is, um, as a comedy expert, and I'm a comedy nerd, uh, if you've watched enough, there is no difference, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I, I don't understand why people go, oh, well, Jason Manford's funny, but uh, no, no woman could say that. And it's like, well, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me that how people kind of draw because that line. those sort of people don't want to hear those sort of jokes from women. Yeah, it's, well, again, it's, it's, really, it's, it's a really interesting thing. It's, it's so deeply embedded, though. It's like, yeah, but they don't realise where it's coming from. Um, I don't know how many times after a gig, although that's going to sound like a fucking backhanded self-compliment, but I don't know how many times after a gig a bloke's come up to us and gone, I don't know if you find women funny, but you were really fucking funny. And I'm like, well, then you find women funny. Do you know what annoys me most about that? Is that I hear that from female comedians 
all the yeah. time. So that, that must mean that, oh, I don't find women that funny that often. But that means that, that if that's said so often, that must mean everyone, all the like, female comedians are really funny all the time. Do you know what it tells me? Yeah. You watch more male comics than female comics because there's more male, male comics. But like, if oh, you... I normally, normally on the aggregate of amount of women and men I watch, there's more funny men than there's more funny women. Yeah, there's more men on television that you all have an access to. You find women just as funny as you find men, I promise you. You, you just don't have access to as many. But uh, Again, it's uh, it's more to do with, um, like, if you know your stuff more, obviously that's not a thing. But uh, uh, do you know um, Do The Right Thing podcast? Yes. Yeah, uh, again, uh, what Daniel Ward does there is really amazing because she keeps the, uh, the gender balance always equal. And, like... If, but she, she never promotes it like that so mm. that's the thing so whenever you listen to it it's just a fucking hilarious podcast uh, uh, but yes I don't understand why people but a lot of people don't listen to podcasts and stuff like that uh, and, but they do watch 8 out of 10 cats And uh, well this is the thing so there's fewer female comedians generally so if you look at 8 out of 10 cats yes every now and not even every now and then maybe every other show there'll be at least one woman on Yeah. but quite often you will get all males and they'll try their best not to do that but usually it's male heavy usually, yeah definitely yeah. if you think the team captains are men yeah. you've always at least got 50% men the presenters are man etc then you've, you've got the, the sort of the balance of um, what you find funny <laughs> generally so if you're seeing more male comedians um, you can probably rename six female comedians here on telly all the time mm-hmm. and you might not find two of those funny because of your personal taste so in your head you're going yeah two thirds of those women are funny but a third of them are shit mm-hmm. and it's this thing that just starts ha- oh it's oh, right it just fucking frustrates because it's a really and it's exactly the same for people of colour exactly yeah. the same I, yeah. because they're represented by so few people that if there's somebody in that small group of people who people don't find funny they go oh Asian people aren't funny black people yeah. aren't funny yeah. women aren't funny in that case I think it is very similar and I recently I went to this kind of business meeting and I was chatting to this guy and he had um, he went to go and see some live comedy and Tez Ilyas was on the bill and Tez made a joke about terrorism, and I think the joke was, uh, I didn't tell me the joke, but I think it was on the lines of how white people are to blame, and uh, this is like a 60, uh, like a 55 year old white man as well, uh, and he goes, well as soon as he made, oh, something you shouldn't joke about, uh, so after that I just uh, didn't listen to him anymore, oh. uh, and so he just totally shut off from him forever, and uh, he was like, oh, I'm not, not going to see any uh, Asian comedian ever again, I was like, Amazing. That, that's, that's such a reduction thing to do. This is so Many shit white men do. Yes, comedy. and there's so many. And there is like, and I find it so like that. There's too many white men in comedy, myself included, as well. Like, Look, if it, there's as many women as men in England, right? Yeah. That's in fact, I think there's marginally more women. Yeah, but there's fewer women in comedy. Definitely, it would be logical to have as many women on TV programs, etc., as men, because that represents <laughs> those people. But then if we did that as a statistic of black people represented and Asian people represented, then actually you would maybe only have one or two comedians across television and it doesn't work. Yeah. Because they're going to have to be fucking good to represent them. But everyone's going to have to find them funny. There's no comedian in the history of the world that everyone finds funny. Definitely. So you have to slightly skew the percentages. So then Asian women go, she's good. Yeah. I could do, I'm going to try and do this. You have to be able to see a role model doing it well, and it's a, it's a point that Kiri Pritchard-McLean made in her Edinburgh show last year and made it beautifully. 
Because we, as women, have it harder than men, and I assume absolutely the people of colour have it harder than I have it, and certainly women of colour have it ten times yeah, harder yeah. than I have it. But she was speaking from a female comedian's point of view, the same as mine, that she's all for women in comedy. She wants more women in comedy, and she watches a woman go onto a stage, and a joke doesn't land, or they do something that isn't funny, and they go, you absolute cunt. Yeah. You've let us down because that's how it is for us yeah if that woman goes up there and isn't funny we are all judged yeah by that audience that audience then goes ha i was right women aren't funny or goes women aren't funny are they they would never do that if it was a man but they do do that when it's a woman so i get so angry at women that aren't funny yeah and also if i have a bad gig i don't feel it for me just alone, it's, it's I go, oh, fuck, there's going to be so many men in that audience who say women aren't funny. And it isn't just men. There's so many women who hate watching women. Mm-hmm. And the, generally what it seems is the reason women don't like seeing a funny woman, if, particularly if they're out with their partners, is they see them as a threat. Yeah. If they're watching their partner laugh at a woman on stage, they go, right, well, he's laughing at her, so obviously he fancies that, so I'm not going to find her funny. Mm. It's the sort this. The fucking psychology of it is yeah. insane. And the whole well, psychology of stand-up in itself is such a, a mind-blowing thing. It's so much to do with social status and stuff oh, like that. When, whenever someone heckles, it's it's mostly... It's usually like the beta guy in a group trying to get attention and, and power as yeah. well. But, uh, and uh, So it's like the status battle as well. And it's about power and uh, essentially just trying to win something as well. Trying yeah. to get a victory. Yeah. Question three. <laughs> <laughs> that was Sammy Dobson. Uh, thank you very much, Sammy, for coming on to the podcast. And obviously this is the first of two parts. And number two, Sammy Dobson part two, will be coming out next week so keep your eyes slash ears peeled for that um if you do like this podcast please share it with your friends on social media or in real life uh, you can tweet and facebook us um you can't facebook isn't a verb but uh you can facebook us or tweet us at drunk Compod, and you can also follow me uh, at matt hoss comedy as well and uh, yeah if you just maybe if you want to be in my good books you can give us five stars on iTunes, please. If you don't, I'll um, I'll shank you, mate. Uh, <laughs> wow, it got oddly violent towards the end of this uh, podcast. As I said, part two coming next week, so keep your ears peeled, and we'll see you then. Thank you very much. Bye. <laughs> got to say bye. Would you like another drink? Or, uh, I'd love a piss. Yes. Do you want to have a quick break? I'd uh, love one. Yeah. Thank you. Do you want? I should. Have, I should have just stormed out, shouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> do, we do that now. Actually, we'll, we'll we'll try a storm out. Okay. We'll just uh, keep talking. Um, oh, Sammy, you look very lovely. Oh God, no! Why are you storming out? <laughs> there's a drill outside. Yeah. And I try to go, <laughs> but it didn't work because it's not plugged in. <laughs> I, I better put my trousers back. <laughs>